I'm Lauren Sterling, and this is Ordinary Grit, the podcast where I talk to ordinary people who have overcome and are doing amazing things because your story has power. Okay, so this one is a little bit different. This one is near and dear to my heart. So it needs a little backstory. 2008, my late husband and I got married, and he already had a daughter. And then we had another baby and then got introduced to five siblings in Peru and adopted five kids. And then, you know, what's one more and had another baby. So that is kind of the story to how we ended up with eight kids and got to be married almost 13 years. So this is an interview with one of my kiddos. And I just cannot tell you how excited I am to get to listen to one of my grown kids process through things, talk about just how good God has been, even in hardships. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Okay, Gare, I don't even know how to introduce you. Like, I mean, you're my kid, but how do we, how do we talk about it? So you are my first guest that is related to me. I know you're really excited about it. He's like, mm, no. So let's talk a little bit about how we met. Do you remember like hearing about us for the first time? Yes. I think it was through Kevin Geyer. Where I were mean, you? We were, uh, I don't know, probably was in a, actually probably in his room. I think he gathered us together in the five of us and took us to his room. And he said, hey, I think, oh, what do you guys think about maybe being adopted and and we're like oh shoot i mean that was something that i mean we've been thinking about and um you know we're wanting a family for sure and i mean since then i think you guys your guys's names uh just you know we're you just kept hearing about you it just then. keep hearing about it yeah, all the time so Okay, well, let's backtrack because I didn't do a good job that that you are one of my one of my adopted kids. So I have eight kids, and so you were in Peru. Kevin was a guy, a young twenty something, yep. that was working volunteering in an orphanage in Peru called Casa de Paz. Yep. And there, there's so many weird pieces of that story about the American lady who started that orphanage and how she connected to Kevin. That's a whole different day. I mean, gosh, I could sit and talk with Kevin for two hours too. But so Kevin goes to the church where Scott and I, your your dad and I were going to church and yeah, we don't have to get into my part of the story too, too much, but I think I also remember when it was like, okay, you guys are willing. Now we're going to go tell the kids and see if they're willing. And so we were a little different because you guys were old enough to say, no, thanks. I don't want to go live with these white people I've never seen or met. Yeah. And so we were actually at Corner Cafe. I don't know why I remember this. Me and dad. I think just me and dad. And I remember when it was like, okay, we're only 50% of this decision. And we got some kind of response probably on like Facebook Messenger where Kevin said, they, they're in. So, yeah. So you're in an orphanage in Kevin's room. There's five of you. Three boys, two girls, and you're probably what? Probably seven, eight, 10, 12, 15, or that's not quite right, but it took almost two years. So then you turned 15 when we went to get you. So, so you were probably 12, 12 or 13. 13, yeah. 13. You had to, it was like 18 months to two years. So, okay. So he comes, he tells you about these people. I'm sure he sold us really well and let you know how fabulous we were. We were this picture of mom, a dad, an older daughter who yeah. was in high school at the time and then a toddler. Like, yeah, I mean, she was about a year when I started talking through the process. She was Lainey, about a year, Lainey. Lainey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Logan was like 16 because it was like when, well, 17, because when Lainey was born, she was 16. So anyway, so yeah, so this is the picture that you get shown. And for some crazy reason, you're like, okay, we've always maybe wanted a family, but had you kind of decided it wasn't going to happen for you? At, at some point, yes, because uh, there was an age that the orphanage allowed people to be in. and You about, and Johnny were getting and, older. Yeah, Johnny and I were getting older. And I mean, I think he was 17 at the time. And, okay. And yeah, but I mean, but... You know, we wanted a family just because we thought uh, that our younger siblings were, you know, going to need someone that can somewhat take care of them and, and all that. 
you know, that was the big... The big part of it for you. big part of, you know, being adopted or trying to get a family. It was just because of them to start yeah. you know, looking for a family and all that. That was... Yeah. Well, and here you are. You've been there for... We always say, like, nine, ten years. I mean, by the time we got you. By the time we got to you, you had been there for a long time. Is it less? Eight? I would say nine, eight, yeah, somewhere in there. Okay, because Bia was Bia was nine, and I think she came when she was like 18 months old. So I think as you as a big brother, looking at your littlest sister that had literally spent her whole life in an orphanage. Yeah. I think you guys had a parental view a little bit. I mean, you weren't parents, and you didn't know a lot about navigating life outside of the compound, but yeah. you had a care for them. Yeah. That, we, was, par- we, that was parental. So, somewhat. We were... You know, we 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 care how they're gonna end up living their life. So yeah, yeah, we we wanted them to have a family and yeah, and I mean, Kevin, you know, came up with a pushed it, yeah, idea, and we were like, yeah, for sure, why not? That's why not? Yeah, right. you had no idea what you were we, getting. We had, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no we, idea. We were blessed, but yeah, we. But it's it, it hard. Was, you. Anyway, that's, I don't know if that's even what we're talking about today. But, I mean, you came to a place, you didn't speak gobs of English. I mean, you guys probably spoke better than, than you let on. And for sure, you knew more English than dad knew Spanish. For sure. So, it all works out, you know. But. It's just the school, you know, requires some English classes. And mm-hmm. so, I, I feel like we knew some basic English. and Yeah, which was helpful. So, Super yeah, helpful. Okay. It was pretty helpful. Okay, so since most of this is really about you and your story, because we could talk about all the kids, we could talk about you guys individually, we could talk about so many things. You, okay, also, we need to back up a tiny bit. Why are you in the orphanage? What What's happened in your in the lives of your family? Well, my two parents passed away when we were really young. I, I exactly don't remember the date or, you know, I, I wasn't really old enough to know Exactly. The timeline and all that. So, um, but they, first, my dad passes away. uh, And then a couple months later, I I believe that my dad, my mom passed away. And, you know, we stayed with our grandparents and um, we were there, if I was going to guess, about five, six months, I would say. Okay. And after that, uh, we had a sister that used to live in this orphanage that we were going to eventually be at so um she wanted us there and she told our older brothers from part of my dad that he would like us you know to be there with her and maybe you, you it's going to be better for us and all that my older brothers went to this place that you know it's where and the map is really not shown like you can't see it on the map mm. so um it, the name of it is chukitambo and so they were there to get us and, you know, bring us back to the orphanage. But we really didn't want to leave that place because, you know, I, it, that was our home. And, mm-hmm. and that was a place that we pretty much, you know, were raised at. That's all you we knew, were, yeah. We family. It's, so, I mean, that was one of the things that I really remember because, you know, I truly didn't want to mm-hmm. leave that place at the moment because I thought that was, that was a good place and, you know. But you were a kid, so you I didn't have a choice. I, I mean, they, they took you. Somewhat, we did have a choice, but the they lied to us some, somewhat to get us out of there. They told us we we're just gonna go and sign paper papers, mm-hmm. and uh, we they're gonna take us back over there. And uh, you never left. We never, yeah, we never left. Okay. Or we never went back after that. So okay. But well, and in the orphanage kinds of systems at the time in Peru you were some of the rarity where you had lost your parents because there was a lot of kids who had living parents or living family members that just weren't necessarily taking care of them or showed up maybe a couple times a year. That's changed a little bit now. I mean, we're 10 years later and there's a lot of push to do better at reuniting families in Peru. And so that's a, that's a little bit different, but you guys at the time, it was pretty uncommon to be truly what they call this word. Isn't very nice when you think of trauma, but to truly be abandoned, that that's what they called it. You had to be truly nobody coming to fight to, to keep you there before you're adoptable yeah and so that was actually pretty uncommon in the in the group i mean you have several friends there's actually 10 of you that ended up coming to various families connected to us in our church 
Um, there's 10 of you that, that came and you guys are some of the, well, and you're half of those, you're five of those, but that, that didn't have living parents because really the rest of it, it, it's almost like a, like a bad foster system. Not that our foster system is perfect in the U S but it was kind of misused a little bit like that. So you guys were different. You were different that, that you had, you know, truly lost parents. And I guess really the extended family had decided that they weren't going to be able to be what's, what was best to raise you. Yep. That is There's right. a lot of you feeding right. you, educating you, all of that would be a lot. Yep. No, I mean, at some point they wanted, they wanted us to split up and, you know, they were mm-hmm. going to take some of, some of us and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, you know, we decided that that, was, that wasn't going to be a thing. And, and somewhat we were taking decisions on how you were given some freedom. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's somewhere along the line. And, and I don't know that I know the answer to this. You realize that whether it's your legs or your feet or your hands or at somewhere along the line, you're like, something isn't acting right. Do you remember how old you were or what that first looked like? To be honest, I do not remember. A turning point or a switch? Yeah, a, a turning point where I was like, oh, sure, I, I have this problem. Okay. Just because of the way that I used to live. You know, I just meaning what you the way you lived. Yes, like always worrying about something, always how to be doing something to survive. You know, okay. and I don't think I took the time or or I had time to realize that it was happening to me until I I think I arrived in the orphanage. Okay, and so we think you were I don't know somewhere between like. Six and eight, six and six somewhere and eight, in there somewhere. when you would have gotten there. Yeah. Okay. And so then what did it look like when you were there? What did, what did your physical limitations look like? What did it, how did people talk about it from your perspective? In the orphanage? Yeah. Or, well, before I got to the orphanage, I do remember like my older brother carrying me around. Uh, like Johnny or an older yeah, Johnny, older? Johnny, Johnny. All right. But... You know, at the at the time, I think we were we were like, oh, sure, you might be just tired. You know, you. Hmm. Well, you, and you were young. Gosh, and, Johnny and was, was a kid. Young. Yeah, he he wasn't going to be able to figure out what that was. So, Even Peru couldn't figure out. So we'll get to that. But but so you're at the orphanage, and over time, I mean, I'll tell you from from our perspective, what it sounded like was he gets really tired in the evenings. Yeah. Once it gets to you know toward later in the night, he goes to bed before everyone else. And you, you you talk, but then I'll tell you what we were hearing on this side. Okay. Well, like like I was saying, you know, I I never knew like when when was a it started when it started. I I didn't realize that it was happening until yeah, you know, I I used to be carried my my by my older brother and um not and all would, day long everywhere, but no, later in the day. Later in the day, I would say about twelve, you know, or, or crossing that noon time. kind of yeah, thing. Noon. Okay. All right. And. And after I got to the orphanage, I started realizing that uh, I, it was happening. But, you know, I used to just be like, oh, sure, you know, what what's this about? Mm-hmm. And, and well, I wanted to do things, you know, that a normal person wants to do. And, like, play soccer, mm-hmm. run, and, and all those things. And... Um, so you did, and and I did somewhat, yeah. I, you, I, I remember the kids telling us that you wanted goalie gloves for Christmas, or because we, I mean, in the time that we were having to to work to get you guys, um, there was at least one Christmas, if not if not two, I'd have to really look at the dates and birthdays and opportunities to send things. And I remember when people would justify or explain away things for you, like, like, Oh, he's fine. And he's a really good goalie. So we just are going to, you know, and it was like Johnny or mostly him, I feel like was justifying or Joel too. They were going to defend that you were, you were okay and you were normal, but that he plays goalie because so that he can't, so that he's not running a lot. And we were trying to learn or understand, and you guys were not the the outlet for that because you guys were not going to teach us any of that because you they were they were protecting you a little bit, and they were kids they weren't going to understand what was happening. Yeah, and I mean, because it, it was I think it was hard for them to see me a struggle too, you know, uh, because it was a struggle through my I don't know fourteen thirteen as you were getting older, yeah, and you know what and, was a struggle just physically or explain that a little bit. Well, 
physically and also um, emotionally, I will say, uh, because somewhat I will, it will make me feel less just because, you know, I couldn't do things that other people were doing and all that, like, you know, play soccer. And because, you know, back as a kid, I thought I was good at playing soccer and, 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 you know, I wanted to do all those moves that everybody mm-hmm. likes to do and all that. And I was, I was wanting to run or, you know, just things like that. And somewhat, I, I, I don't think I was comfortable on, you know, showing people that I did have that problem. So I, I used to hide, I would say I used to hide and, and. Like when it started to get bad, it was easier to go lay down so people yes. couldn't see it. Yes, it was. Because now we understand that it actually was getting bad, getting worse as the day went on. Now we understand that. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But at the time, I, I don't know that you could have logic through, but it made sense for you to kind of hide because it was getting worse as it the w- day went on. It it wear, it would wear off. It will wear you know, off. Or wear I down. don't know, you know, if it got worse through the, through the time. Like, you know, like, I think it was the same thing. It's just through the day it will get to the point where my body will be so stiff that I mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to move. But Well, and you may have been tired from trying to hold it all together, trying to fight it. You, that may have worn you out too yeah. in the mornings. So anyway, okay. So it, it, stiffness, it, it was, I mean, how did it feel to you head to toe or did you feel it most in your hands or what? I would say that I felt it in my whole body. It was like trying to control something that I, I, I couldn't. Hmm. I really don't have a, an explanation to it. No, but that's logical. But I remember doctors saying that was on my brain. And I remember going through that battle too, you know. You know, if it's my brain, I can fix it, you know. Hmm. And I mean, it, it it was tough to hear, you know. It's 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 your mind or, or your mind is doing that or, or things like because that. Because they told you after they had tried to look for cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy, MS... That it was in your head. Yes. That it wasn't a brain problem. That that you it was psychological. Yeah. That you, you that you you made it up. Yes. Yeah. So okay. So I'm in the U.S. I think at this point I know about these kids that I'm attempting to pursue. I I don't think it's quite deep into the like they're gonna be mine because there was a shift for me where it was like you were mine. And like, I was going to fight like hell, but, but I think this was early enough that maybe we knew a lot about you. And Kevin came home to the U S was at our church and he was a disaster sobbing. I mean, an absolute disaster. And I remember dad, I kind of in the hallway with him trying to figure it out. And what it was is they'd done all this testing. He must've seen you maybe progressing. Maybe you were getting worse or maybe in his mind it was getting worse, but Kevin was freaking out and thought something was really, really wrong. And I, it was about that time that they had run all the tests and nobody could figure it out. And so. I mean, I, I do remember, you know, I, I think I went to all the doctors in Peru pretty much. <laughs> Every- That's the way that I remember it. Yeah. You know, at some point I was like, uh, I'm, I'm tired of it. And I think, I mean, Kevin Guy was the one that side the most because, you know, I used to. Who's um, around you? Really liked him, and mm-hmm. we were around him all the time, mm-hmm. and we loved that guy, you know. And uh, and you just... may have been more vulnerable with him yeah. because you were living and I, and right in the middle of of life with him. So okay, because I remember you know hiding it for people like I uh, like I was saying. Uh, and when I got to the United States, I thought people didn't know didn't know about that, and I don't think people knew about it to be honest. And because you know, um, I remember asking people, "Did you know I had a problem?" You know, because after I you know I got the medicine and everything was good. I wanted to know if people knew. So yeah. I remember people really not knowing about it. I mean, yeah, I I see it a little different because you get here. Did you feel like you got here and we like immediately were like trying to figure it out? Did you, were you ever annoyed? Like, why is everybody wasting their time? Actually, I know you do. You did because you told me one time to, to give up. I think that was the last time we, I wanted to go to the doctor. When I got here, I think I had some uh, hope that, uh, mm-hmm. you know... Somebody might be able to figure it out. Because when people talk about United States, you know, the big mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. that has everything, that solves mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I... You saw it that way, too. Yes, I saw things, too, so... Okay. Okay, so, I mean, we could get into so many things. You meet these people you've never known. 
we've never seen before. We throw in all your belongings into like one bag. And like, I think within 24 hours, you leave with us and go and immediately, I mean, it, that was it. It's like looking back, it's a crazy way to go pick up kids. And then we hang out in the country. We're at least in Peru for five and a half weeks, but you left what you knew as home very quickly with, with all your things. I remember riding silently in the, in the like 15 passenger van from Casa de Paz to the next city, probably several hours in that van. And I, I, it was like no words. I remember you guys had these old MP3 players and you were listening Mm. to music, but I mean, yeah, talk about like, okay, this is gonna be really interesting. You're, we, we got to figure out how to mm-hmm. do this thing really fast. So, but then, okay, so you get here. We already were in Peru. Even were working on. Okay, now that we've met that him, and and not, not that this was our number one thing, or that we thought we needed to solve all of your problems, but once we had met you, we were able to go. Okay, we think we see this or that. And so my family, my mom was already working on what doctor back home. Should we, should we talk to? And, you know, you just like put all these brains together, all you, people with their different experiences and you're, somebody's going to know somebody that, you know, might be able to help. And it was, it was important to me. I probably didn't communicate it well then. And we had a language barrier, but it was always important to me that you didn't feel like we were trying to fix you, but we were trying to give you opportunities to what if, what if we could make it better? So you get here, we are going to PT. We're going to physical therapy three days a week. You and I, you're, you're in a, at the time, Blue Springs had a school for only the freshmen. And so you're in one building with all the freshmen in the whole city. That place was a zoo of all the places to move, not speaking the language and then start going to school at that place. And that's the year that everybody's crazy. I feel like too, gosh, they're all trying to figure out who they are. And that was a nightmare. People were getting in trouble fights all the time. And you're having a hard time walking that much all day long. Some of that, I didn't know from you. I heard from other people. So I had some moments of like, just sad for you, worried about you, but you smiled all the time. You had such a good attitude all the time that it was always like, well, he's fine. It's, you know, it's just that we wanted you to have these great opportunities and you wanted to play soccer even then. Um, So I remember having to figure out how to talk through that because soccer here, high school soccer here was going to be a lot different than playing at Casa de Paz. And those were hard conversations before you were feeling better because I didn't want to hold you back, but I didn't want you to get hurt. Yeah. So that was hard. That was really, you know, hard as a mom. So anyway, I'm picking you up from the freshman center three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think I'm picking you up in the parent line, going directly downtown to some physical therapy place. And they are telling us it's your legs, right? You remember all that? Like it's your legs, get your legs strong. We'll just work on physical therapy. Get your legs strong. Get your legs strong. Somewhere along the line, we ended up in doctor's appointments about getting shots. Did you ever get Botox shots? Did they ever give you shots? I don't remember. I don't think so. We used to go to those meetings. They were going to treat you like you had cerebral palsy, even though they couldn't prove it. We were going to act like you did and see if that helped. But I don't know that we ever did Botox, which is good because that would not have been the right answer at the time. And so anyway, we're at physical therapy. We're doing all these things. And I remember it was taking a long time to, you know, we were going to these things, but it, we weren't seeing the improvement. Yeah. And so you were getting frustrated. They made you wear those braces for a while. I almost forgot about that until yeah, recently. That wasn't doing anything because it wasn't an issue. Now we know of strengthening your, your body. That wasn't the issue. So finally, well, how do you see that? What, what, what ended up happening that we went to a doctor and things changed? What, what, what happened? Well, like, like, you know, I, I thought it was happening the same thing that was happening in Peru, going to a bunch of doctors. That's, you know, the first waste thing. of time. Yeah. Waste of time. And, and, you know, the, I mean, things, you know, were just getting worse. You know, I was getting older and I was like, shoot, you know, this is going to be here for the rest of my life. Change your life. Yeah. So. You know, and, and I mean, the struggles and all that, they didn't, it, it didn't go away. But um, when I first, or, uh, you know, when when we got to the point where I was like, shoot, you know, I'm, the, I'm done with going to the doctors. And I remember talking to you about it. And we were talking and, and I remember saying, you know, can this be the last time we go to the doctor? And, um, and you said, yeah, this, this can be the last time. And, and I mean, that day, you know, I was like, I did. I think by that time I didn't have any hope anymore. You know, it was gonna be another day of going to see someone, and you know we're gonna go back home, and it's gonna be the same. And 
my yeah. struggle through freshman center it was it was it was rough too just because you know there was a lot of people around me more than peru and you know just the hallways were filled with the, people yep and it was just crazy to me like that i was doing what i was doing you know i i know you said that i seemed like i was happy all the time and i used to smile all the time and i don't i don't remember it that way mm. which is why you didn't want to talk to me about it that somewhat yeah i that's one of the reasons i truly don't like to talk about it or i used to not like to talk about it because i i don't remember it that way you know you i see it as a sad hard time i do see it that way because you know i i used i remember used to laying in my bed and and, and you know crying and, and asking god why why me and i mean through that time it was it was tough you know because you're a kid you want to be normal I, I did want to be normal. Okay, so do you remember that, doctor? Do you remember that day? I remember it so clear. I can't remember her face, but uh, yeah, I can remember her words. Okay, what and, were her words? And, and she just said, I think this is what you have. Mm -hmm. And I remember those words, and I'm, I'm, I was like, shoot, that was fast. <laughs> and, yeah. And it, and it was that fast. Well, what happens is so, we're at a geneticist, and they send in what they call a genetic counselor first. And so I can see where you and I are. I can see her in the corner in a chair. She's taking notes. And she's like, do you know why you're here? Yeah, because y'all have run out of any other places to send us. You don't know what else to do with us. And this is our last ditch effort. I was so honest. I was weary too. I think we had just sat down on the stairs. You and I sat on the stairs and you were super discouraged. You were super sad about the freshman center. You wanted to quit going to school. We joked. I'm like, you really want to hang out with me all day? You don't, you don't want me homeschooling you, but like you were super sad. And so I had reached a point of like, you guys don't know what else to do with us. So this is the last ditch effort. And I said, and nobody is listening to me. You guys keep saying that it's his legs. And I promise you, this is brain. Look at his hands. His hands looked just like my grandma's when she had Parkinson's. And I had spent a lot of time with that was, I mean, I loved her. And I sat in the bend of her legs on the couch, lots of her last days, watching her hold a cup of coffee. And that was like God laying groundwork because your hands looked like hers holding the cup. And I'm like, this is not just his legs and nobody is listening to me. And why it felt so fast is what we didn't know is that doctor was on the other side of the wall listening to me. She walked mm -hmm. in, she shook our hand. She said, I'm Dr. Lori Smith. And I believe he has dopa responsive dystonia. And we're going to know today. And we're like, what? Nobody has said any name. Nobody's called it anything. We're guessing. We're totally guessing for at this point, it's like 10 months it was October. And I know that because you had already asked a girl to homecoming as a group. There was like a couple guys and a couple girls. You were already planning on going to homecoming, but you got medicine right before homecoming. So you were able to go out that weekend and not quit walking at 7 PM. Anyway, that's Ooh, a yeah. whole different deal. So Ooh. we, that day she tells us what, what it is. And she says, here's the prescription. Well, the prescription is what they give Parkinson's patients, maybe a different mix of Carbidopa levodopa, it might be a different mix, but it's what my, what my grandma took. So she gives us that. I remember back then we drove everywhere together all the time. I had to pick up kids from 37 different schools and we're all in the van together. Dad included, I think. We were in the pharmacy line. We pick up the medicine and it's 12 bucks. And I'm like, well, Gare, that's what you only have to not get to eat McDonald's like three times. Like mm -hmm. this is crazy. You started taking it the next morning. You went to school. I came home, you were on these giant bean bags playing video games that we had. And I'm like, hey, how did today go? And your hands were not stiff. Ugh. And it was like three o'clock and your hands were different. And I tackled you on that red bean bag and was like, Gare, it worked. Yeah. We knew day one with one dose. You were totally different. Yeah, I don't think I even realized that it happened until you said something. <laughs> you didn't. I don't think you did either. You looked totally normal just sitting there playing. I was just going by my day and... You'd probably only taken one pill. Yeah. You were supposed to take it like three times a day, but I noticed you were fidgety. You yeah. were you were sitting there and your legs were bouncing. I remember going back to the neurologist and they're like, is he having any side effects? And I'm like, you were like, nope, I feel great. And I'm like, what are the side effects? And they're like, well, is he, is he fidgeting? And I'm like, yeah, he's bouncing off the walls. 
So then we we dialed it back. Yeah. We did like two and a half, and then I think you're lucky if you take two now because you're lazy and spoiled. But because yeah. it's good, because it's going yeah. good. It is. Going but good. yeah, but we were we were probably taking a little too much, but but it immediately relaxed your body. I mean, so and just to give people a little perspective on what it looked like, one of the days that I realized physically the toll it was taking on your body was a day that you got in a swimming pool and you got too deep. And you couldn't get yourself out. And I had to jump in in my clothes. And when I pulled you to where you could touch, you were literally, your the pressure in your body, your body was so tight, your pecs were shaking. That's how tight your body was being held. Your arms, your shoulders, every part of you was so, so tense. Yeah. And I, I think I knew that day, and that would have been the summer before that October. So, I mean, that would have been some months before we figured it all out. I was like, holy cow, how exhausting it has to be to your body to be tight like that. I mean, it's hot and you're, you're shaking because your body was so, so tense. And so what it did is it curved your hands, it curved your toes, it curved your legs. It, I mean, it was like fatigue. You had to have been so fatigued and that medicine communicated from your brain. So what it is, what dopa responsive dystonia is, is we, when we go to sleep, this is how I understand it. When we sleep at night, we make dopamine to get through the day. And dopamine has a lot of a lot of roles. You could have been massively depressed. You could have quit speaking. The, the the neurologist had said that the last person that he had seen, they didn't figure it out until 21 or 22 and he'd quit talking. He didn't want to come out of his room. Because it not only affects the physical with the way your brain speaks to your muscles and and your movement, but it it affects the way you feel. It can affect your dopamine has a lot to do with our I think our emotions and our depression and anxiety if I if I know if I'm I might, I might be wrong. I'm not a medical professional, but I think so. So, I mean, you, you could have really been even more affected than just physically. And you were a champ. You really were. Your attitude was so good. You laughed and you were, you were kind. I remember coming home from PT one time and you just like knocked me over, hugged me one day, just thanking me. Now, and you weren't better. That was just because I drove you three days a week. So you, you were a champ. But what it is, is when you, when you sleep at night, your body isn't making as much dopamine as, as it needs. And so then it uses it up during the day and you're running out. And that's why we were seeing you at seven, eight o'clock needing to be carried out of a store or whatever. So now it's, it's telling your body how to, you know, it's giving you enough to get through the day. It's like artificially giving you enough dopamine. So yeah, radically changed everything immediately right away. Okay, so that's October, your freshman year? I would say, yeah. So then you didn't try out for soccer until the following summer? Yeah. That's... Because it's going to be the first time in your life you can run the length of the field. It, it, yeah, I would say that. And you worked, between there, you worked with physical therapists a little bit more, like in our, in our home, yes. just to kind of relearn almost. Like like you had you had had to run different because your body was having to push through it differently, or he was just helping you get strong. And I mean, it, it never affected the way you. I mean, you're, you've always been smart. You've always like so. It just was a matter of reteaching your muscles a few things. So then the summer though, it's like what summer before tryouts. It's not tryouts, but it's kind of like tryouts where yeah, you're going and playing. What's about this season? Yeah, it was almost the season yeah, right before tryouts. About- Okay, and so th- at that point, what is what are your emotions and your self esteem and all of that look like? I mean, I think it, all the all of those things went through the roof. I mean, I was comfortable doing. <laughs> I always thought you were overconfident, anyway. But <laughs> uh, you know, it just I, I don't think I let the problem of my leg somewhat bring me down completely. I mean, I I, I remember the struggles of it, but I you know I didn't let it take completely. over me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to. Battled that way, my feelings will yeah go through the day and all that. But when I got to the point where I was able to do everything, I I wanted to do everything. You know, I wanted to play soccer and I wanted to be people on running and yeah. So you're like, like soccer that, tryouts. Yeah. These guys are sophomores in high school or what? You were you were 16. You were the scariest driver I've ever taught. So that was a whole different topic. That was that self-confidence thing, I think. So 
you're the, these guys have been playing on competitive teams. They've been running and some of them are probably in track and in soccer. And now you're trying out with these guys. And I mean, and you're smaller than them. You're you literally have not been able to run the length of the field before. No. And now you're trying out. You were super confident You th- that you were super motivated. You knew what you wanted. Yeah. And I, I think. Also, it took a lot of hard work, I will say, because, you know, I remember coming after practice and going to run and running for five miles or more mm-hmm. and, and doing all that. It, it took some extra work for me to be able to do yeah. all that. And because I knew I was behind on a lot of things. And yeah. so I had to work extra to, to yeah. do what I wanted to do. I remember you coming home one of the days. And I, I mean, I remember your tryout. You weren't driving yet because I picked you up when we found out that you made the team that year. Yep, I remember that. But I remember coming back from you coming home one of the days from tryouts and dad asking you about running and the other guys. And, and I, I can hear you telling him, you were like, well, I didn't win. I didn't, I didn't beat everybody. But when I was running, it was probably like three miles. I just picked a guy ahead of me and was like, I'm going to get ahead of that guy. Yeah. And then when I got ahead of that guy, I picked another guy. And I'm going to get ahead of that guy. And I love that story. That makes you emotional. Why does that make you emotional? I would say because, I don't know, it just, it makes me remember that my, 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 I had a problem and, and, you know, like with my legs and all that, it makes me like go back and say, oh shoot, I wasn't be able, I wasn't able to do that. And now I can do it. Cause now you're like, I would have won. What do you mean? I didn't win. So. No, but it also, I hope what it reminds you is that there, there was like a a fighter in you, like a warrior, like truly, there are so many people that don't care to win or get ahead of the, and I'm not saying we all should walk around competing with each other every day. Mm -hmm. Like I, like my best competition is myself. I want to get better than myself, but it is like where I work out. Sometimes the, the best on the board will be on the board for the day. And so then I'm, I'll ask them, who, how many did that person get? How, how many did the best get today? 49 reps. All right, well, then I'm doing 50. Because it, it gives me a goal. It's not because I, I don't even know who that person is. I don't care about her, like, making them look stupid. But it gives me a, like, I'm competitive. I want to, there, there's a little bit of a, of a warrior in me that wants to win. And I think that's God-given. Like, like God, God doesn't want us to just be passive and, and it, I don't want to put anyone down, but I can be competitive. There is, there's a reason that God made me that way. So I can use that to propel myself. And I mean, that's what you were doing. There's a, there is a warrior in you. Yeah. You, you are not easily shut down. You're not easily told that you can't do something. You're not likely to listen to that. And, and that's a great gift. You know how many people wish that they it felt that way or, or, and, and there's a part of you that's like, then just do it you, for you. It's normal. Then just don't listen and do what you want and go after it. And, but there is some of that's just God given fighter that, that you have used then not just to get in front of that guy in that race, but to be the first person in your family, I think ever yeah. to graduate college. I mean, yeah, I mean as an ESL English second language kid taking the ACT, Going to academic classes in college, academic language is a lot harder than chit chat. I mean, you pushed through and you wanted to quit about 40 times while you were in college because you just wanted to go work and make money. I did. But to push through and to get the degree and then to go push through and want to be a big shot in the business and want to learn things that are hard and and be better at that. Win, win Win against your competition, even in your job. Win the bids. Learn how to do the bids. Be better than the other guy that does it. Th- those are actually really, really good, good qualities. They can be detrimental to you where you're never content or you're never pleased with your with your output. So, I mean, it can it can go both ways. Our biggest strengths can become part of our weaknesses, too. But if you use that to propel you, I mean, it's why you do great things, why you don't quit. Yeah. And I, and I find myself doing that stuff, too, you know, trying to or, you know, go over things that I I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, I got to find a limit on what should I be doing or what what should I be accomplishing and, and be yeah. good with it, you know, because, you know, th- that's I, I do believe that's something that God gave me. And well, and, and having and goals lot, and yeah. wanting to wanting to accomplish them is is good. Being content and grateful for the things that God has given you or the things you've accomplished is also good. Yeah. You're you you're hard on yourself in a way that maybe you're not able to enjoy 
or kind of bask in the in good things. You put a lot of pressure. I need to buy a house and I need to make this much money and I need to, I don't know, have two kids in the white picket fence. I don't know, you know, what the next <laughs> goal is. But sometimes I'm the same way. And sometimes I have to catch myself and just go, no, you know what? What God's doing right now, it, I'm really grateful for. And and it's okay for me to be proud of myself because I think God's pleased with what I, where I'm at right now. Yeah. So, okay. You, part of what you don't like about this story is that it, it reminds you that things were hard or reminds you, you, I remember when I first asked you about this, we were eating lunch and you, you immediately were like, no, it's, it's a sad story. And I don't, and I don't want to talk about it. Do you, do you wish it hadn't been your story? Do you wish it wasn't your story still? I wouldn't say I wish it wasn't my story because I think my story has a lot of power to change a lot of lives. And I mean, you know, just in this, little story you know with my legs and all that and all my body i think god was involved in all of it you mm -hmm. know since the beginning because you know when i used to struggle with it i used to ask god why, god why me you know and and you know i used to pray and say god you know uh, give give me that chance to be able to do everything i want to do and and it, I mean, I, I always God was involved in, you know, and it kept sure. me somewhat close to him, I would say. Made you I have to rely problems. on so him. Mm -hmm. it, it did make me rely on him. And, and I'm glad I did, actually, because, you know, I, I don't, if I didn't, if I didn't have that problem, I probably wouldn't have been <laughs> close to him or wouldn't have done what I done. And, and, you know, I, I'm truly, I think I, I, I'm glad I have this story and mm. I can now say it. I, I'm not going to say that it doesn't make me sad or because it, it was a tough sure. part of my life and it was a big struggle. I mean, you know, just falling at the freshman center was... You just uh, said you fell at the freshman center? I did. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest embarrassments of my life, I would say. And you didn't even but, tell me. Someone else told me. I and I was home alone and I just sat at the dining room table and cried. Because I was like, for so many reasons. One, I knew it embarrassed you probably or it crushed you. But two, that like you kind of felt like you had to swallow that stuff and keep it to yourself. And yeah, as your mom, you just want to like fix it all. But actually, I, I don't think I told anyone actually. Not even somebody Joelle saw you. or Johnny. And somebody I, saw you. you know that I truly at the moment trusted and, and somewhat felt like, you know, they were, I don't know, try to make me feel better about it. I don't, I don't think I said anything to anybody about Probably it. Didn't. But. Yeah. but the way that you continue to, to fight through that, I, as much as, at, like I said, as a mom, you want to clean it all up and it all be wrapped up in, in a pretty red bow. I'm actually really grateful for parts of, of your story that it shapes you. It, it makes you different. I think we talked about this at lunch when I was trying to convince you to talk to mm. me. It, it makes you different than your siblings even. It makes you pursue differently, push differently. Adversity is what makes us, you know, either push through or fold and, and, and you don't fold. And, and I do think, like you said, that it kept you close to the Lord because you're so self-sufficient. You're so driven. You're so smart that you could have just thought you did it all on your own. And that's the danger of being really motivated is we can act like we don't need the Lord. And it forced you to know you did. And somewhat, I think that's what happened right after uh, I got the medicine and all that, you know. I somewhat do feel or I notice that I did push God to the side and say, oh, shoot, I don't need him anymore, you mm -hmm. know. And, Done. I'm, I'm, and, I'm fixed. Let's I'm go. Fixed, yeah. And, and I mm -hmm. felt so somewhat powerful that I can do everything, you know. I didn't need mm -hmm. him. And, and that, that, that's, that was the wrong idea. And, you know, I realized later on that... You know, he's right there no matter what. And, and yeah, I, I need him. And so. Do you know when that happened? Yes. Um, I think it was when I realized that I didn't need him or, or when I thought that I didn't need him. I, I think it was about when I was finishing, I would say my senior year in high school. I, you know, I. That's was, when you thought you didn't need him. Yeah. That's when yeah. I was like, shoot, you know, I. I got I this. Need, I got this. Mm -hmm. I don't need him anymore. Well, and it's kind of normal. It's kind of when you start to so, think you don't need your parents to. It, it's because it's normal. Yeah. You're supposed to kind of, I can, I'm fine. I'm smarter than them. I can pay my own bills. And, you know, they don't really know everything. And 
And that's normal because you're supposed to leave and go to college and, and kind of move forward. So I think we're supposed to have a little bit of that. When do you think it changed that you recognize that it doesn't matter, even though you can do everything everyone else can, you can run, you, you wrestled, you played varsity soccer, you, I mean, are, are all kinds of athletic and able, but so, but it doesn't matter. It's, we all are just human and need God. Do you, do you know when that happened? When, when that switch happened? When I realized that, you know, that I need God for the rest of my life that I can push him away was, I'll say after my dad's death. After he died. Yeah, after he died, uh, I think I realized that I want to live that, that close relationship with God. And, you know, I want, I wanted to have that. Like he did. Like he did. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's when I was like, shoot, you know. So you were like 23 when dad died? Yeah, I'll say 23. So only a few years of thinking you were too cool for God. Not too, <laughs> not too many. Some people go a really long time, so. But, yeah, that was one of the biggest hits, too, you know, in, in my life, you know. Because, I, like I said, you know, I always wanted a dad, a mom, and and then he dies, and, and, and it goes to, oh, God, you know, what, what what's going on, you know. What, what a stupid way to write the story. What's the deal, you know, but. I think it it somewhat turned me into God more than than uh, I realized actually. Why do you think that happened? What what do you think keeps you from being mad at God? For I mean, you've lost three parents to death now. I saw the way that he lived his life, and 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 I saw the way that he talked about God and to everybody actually, you know, in business, outside of business, and and him being the pastor of the church and and just the way that people talk about him and the way that he has changed a lot of lives and you know i still meet a lot of people that he worked with or you know that he knew as a business Mm -hmm. owner that talk so greatly about him that i'm like you know it it, it wasn't him you know it it was god Mm -hmm. it was because the way that he was or the way that his relationship was with god with god you know and and I see that. I, I see that firsthand. I mean, you know, just... You still run into the way people are talking about him or the, the impact that he had? Yes. I Yeah. I, he had I, a wide reach. I do. So... I was just talking about that. I went to a, to a service, a funeral recently that was, I mean, very, very, very small. And obviously that, that man was insanely important to his, to his kids. Um, but I wanted to leave and like text all of you, all of you, all my big kids and just be like, what, what you guys saw the amount of people who came when dad died, it, not just before, not just when he died into his funeral, but even before the way our house was full, the the way people, I mean, just overwhelmingly served and um, showed up. And even the way those last three days, there was at any given moment, there was 40 people in the house. But then the after, I just wanted you guys to know how not normal it is. Like, and not because he was perfect or superhuman, he, yeah. he, he was he was very human and, and and flawed, but his reach God used him in a really really big way, and I just almost wanted to remind you guys I didn't do it, but I I wanted to remind you guys like how special he really was, and um, I'm glad you see it. I mean I'm glad two years later that you still see and the reach. The special thing that you know that everybody saw on him, I, you know, it, it, I feel like it was God, and I know it was God. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from like I said, talking to people that knew him you know that's what yeah they saw and and yeah. it was crazy you know and that's why i love this song that it's the name of it i still believe by jeremy kim mm-hmm. i i love that song just because you know no matter what happened in my life i i do still believe that you know no matter what he's there and his plans are perfect and no matter what you know so yeah that's good it's really good because there's i mean a lot of people miss that and you have been through a lot of things that other people have not gone through, and you still fight to to believe in and have perspective that that God's God's writing a perfect a perfect story. I'm super grateful that you don't wish part of your story away too. I thought you were gonna maybe say that you did, but I'm glad mm. that you don't because your story is obviously in our story as in the last 10 years and the way God's written the, that whole story in, in, in the five of you. And then in the three others, and I could literally have eight individual conversations and there's so much that 
there's so much in there. There's a lot of richness in, in the story of the last 10 years. But yours, your little piece is one of my favorites because just getting to watch it like so firsthand and what felt like a miracle really truly right in front of my face it, it would have made me really sad if you never let it be used because it is just such a really, really good story of God's provision in a lot of different ways. Even even my grandma being sick, I I, I think in, in some ways my grandma would have given that for, for them to figure out what you had. And even in the hard of watching, you know, walking through cancer and loss, I think your dad would have given that for you to decide that you were going to follow Jesus with your life. So... I just think we see God's provision and God's hand in, in a way that is really powerful and that other people can can see and be inspired by. And that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point of these conversations and the whole point of, of the podcast. And you're, you're like, you're going to be one of the good ones. I'm really excited. So. And yeah, I did get, get to that point where I, I knew that my story had some power, you know, that. What, like two weeks ago? Can, after I you mean, told me no? After, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I knew it before. It, it 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 was just tough to try to talk about it or yeah. you know somewhat have these conversations and yeah. because like you said we had a couple of conversations before and, and I mean we kind of cry about it and <laughs> but, but in some ways it's good cry I mean I don't and again I didn't live it so I realize you can be like yeah mom yeah you're crying out of happiness but I'm the one who had to had to walk it out and that's true I didn't have to feel the physical the physical struggle or the emotional struggle with you or like, like in your place. But I, I, the story is so rich that it makes me emotional to have gotten to be a part of it, to have gotten to be in the middle of it, to have watched the change to then that weekend, watch you go out till midnight. That was a miracle that you could not have done that before. And so then over time at, all the, all the different things. I mean, whether or not you played varsity or soccer or not, it didn't really matter to me. I don't care if you're good at a sport, but it was bigger than that. It was more about you being able to do things you had wanted to do for so long. And again, all the, all the different accomplishments, honestly, I mean, my, my favorite accomplishments are not that you graduated college or, you know, your job or how much money you make. I, I, I don't really care about any of that. I mean, my favorite accomplishments are when you're like, Hey, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do in this scenario. Like that's to me, when I'm like, you're doing so well, God's so pleased when you are, and not just because you sit down and ask my advice, but because you'll ask other people's advice because you are trying to do what God wants. That's the win that to me, that's the best accomplishment over all the other things. And I mean, obviously I'm grateful that you're good at other things and mm-hmm. whatever, but those to me, those are the biggest wins that when, when you are, when you are pursuing God, First and foremost, that that's the best. That's the best day for me. So, hey, thank you. I'm serious. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you have or know someone with an inspiring story, you can apply to be a guest at OrdinaryGrit.com. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at OrdinaryGritPodcast to get to know me and my guests.